0: Thanks for listening to Mosaic, a Jesus Centered Communities Podcast. Our goal is to help people experience a Jesus-centered life. You can find out more about us at welcometomosaic.info. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast as well as rate and review it so others can hear it as well. Enjoy the message. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. uh, uh You can fake it. You can fake it up to a point. Uh, whether that's the first couple months or, um, of a new relationship, maybe a, a high-stakes job interview. Uh, truthfully, sometimes I feel like I'm faking it when I'm giving a sermon to the second service crowd after I gave it 30 minutes ago. We can all fake it. We all can project and pretend, pretend to be an alternative version of ourselves when we need to be, right? And, and we, we do this to various uh, varying degrees, whether that's the less, uh, the more innocent social instinctive things like personality mirroring, uh, all the way to flat out line to one another. And it depends on your stamina for such things too. Uh, but the facades, they can last for years, right? Sometimes. But eventually, the veil of duplicity, it falls. Every single time, it falls. Every time, the fake is discovered, the the relationship is ruined, and the truth, as ugly as it may be, it it comes out every time. And uh, Sarah or anybody close to me knows I have this adage that I kind of live by. Um, And I say it a lot. When it comes to people lying about themselves or lying about anything, really, the adage is this it's not necessarily original, but it's this let them be their own undoing. You do not have to insert yourself into the fall or the self destruction of another person. The lies will do it for them every time. And so, what's my point with all this? Well, today, our passage in Luke, I think, speaks to this very thing. This, this idea that what is deep inside of your heart, it will always, every time, it will come out. Good or bad, right or wrong, the substance of your heart, it cannot be hidden forever. It just cannot. So before we get to that, would you, um, would you pray with me? The Holy Spirit, we just... Uh, We invite you into the space. If we brought any uh, facade into this room with us, would you help us just lower it, even if just for a a few moments, to hear from your, your word? And as we are gathered here today, we know there's lots of other churches i have your attention this morning. And so we want to lift up a Red Rocks Church who is doing amazing things in this community, specifically uh, the Littleton campus over by Target. We want to pray for Conrad, the campus pastor there, and his whole team as they um, faithfully preach the gospel and try to advance your kingdom. We thank you for them. We pray the same thing for us. Let that be true of us. Let us be a church that is relentlessly chasing the things you care about. Uh, humbly for myself, uh, I just ask that you would allow my words to be uh, real. Let them not be fake. Let them be of you. Let them be true. And we pray this uh, in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, uh, before we get started, I would like to play a little game, if that's okay with you guys. So... Um, Here's the game. I've got up here a basket of fruit, and some of it is real, and some of it is fake. And so the way this game is played is I'm gonna hold up two fruits. One will be real, one will be fake, and you have to guess by raising your hand uh, which one you think is real. And here is the best part about this game. Everybody in this room is going home a winner. That's a true story. We have prizes on the way out that will be handed out. and lower your expectations, because the prizes are not great, but they are real. So everyone will go home winner, I promise. So let's, uh, easy, I'm gonna hold two fruits up and you're gonna guess. So let's start with the, the oranges here. So uh, who, thinks, who thinks this one is real? Raise your hand. Just the, just the three, okay. And, and who thinks this one's real? Okay, all right. You're, you're right, this one's the real one. All right, okay, that's fine um, let's do some pears. I actually, um, one of you gave me this pear. This is from the midget family. They gave me a box of six pears. I've got two left. They were delicious. Um, and I just told you that that's the real one. So who thinks this one's real? Nobody? Yeah, this is the real one. Okay. It it, it gets harder though, but these were good pears. Um, all right. I think the problem is you, get, you can kind of see them both. Who thinks uh, this one is real? Raise your hand, this one? Yeah, smart people, all right, you think this is real, anybody else? Uh, I tricked you with saying smart, and this one, yeah? Yeah, this is real. I was told that the, the lighting is part of the problem, uh, the stage lighting. because up here, it's actually kind of hard to tell unless you touch them. Okay, couple more, just humor me, will you? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks this banana's real? Now, hey, speaking of bananas, actually, uh, I was at Target the other day with my family at the one spot, and they have a banana phone, uh, a Bluetooth phone that you sync to your cell phone, and it's only five bucks. And I almost bought it, but I didn't, um, because I'm thinking, okay, I don't use the phone that much. And when I do, it's, it's actually usually talking to one of you guys, and you're in crisis or something. And I'm like, oh, that would be inappropriate to talk on a phone. I don't know. Okay. You guys are smart. How about, um, how about, oh, here we go. One more. All right. Both apples, but different colors. Who thinks this one is real? Yeah? And who thinks this one is real? You're all wrong. They're both fake. <laughs> They're both fake. So, hey, thank you for humoring me on that little game. I promise that that game does have a point. Um, so today, we're back in... Back in Luke, back in chapter 6, of course, in the middle of Jesus' world-famous, world-changing Sermon on the Mount, right? And so let me just, uh, our passage today is short, but it is so good. So let me read that to you. It's uh, six, three verses, starting in 43, and it says this, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are never picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And so uh, today, as, as always, let me, let me teach you, about this passage, uh, real quick before we teach the passage, because like I've said before, those are two separate things, but they're both important. So, a few things about this passage, the scripture, it's short, like I said, but it is full of good stuff for us. Um, but you, you need to remember, as you read this, you need to remember what came right before it, what, what Ben shared with us last week, because this is coming from a, uh, the same theme, the same moment, the same message and train of thought. Of Jesus that we heard last week, which was, don't worry about the, the speck of dust in your neighbor's eye when you have got a log in your own, right? And so everything we're talking about today, is, it's built upon that, okay? Uh, and remember, last time I was up here that, and introduced Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you'll remember I said, you have to remember, this was a message given to saved people, to people positionally justified, the person who has already placed their faith in the Messiah. Okay. This sermon absolutely could be helpful for the, the unsaved person who's maybe exploring Christianity, but not for the purposes of becoming a saved person. This is a message on how to become a better and better follower of Jesus, not how to become more and more saved. Okay. Um, few more things about the passage. The premise of Jesus' metaphor here, it's laid out immediately in verses 43 and 44. The premise or the primary principle being that the attributes of a tree are determined by the attributes of its fruit. Pears don't grow on, on apple trees. Apples don't grow on orange trees. And so the passage then moves through a couple variations or iterations of this metaphor. The metaphor of the the fruit in the tree is dropped, and then the corresponding idea of a good person and their good deeds is introduced. And a lot of times, when Jesus would teach or speak in metaphors or parables, sometimes you're, you're kind of left scratching your head, wondering, what was he really trying to say there? Was there a double meaning in that? But with this particular metaphor, he lays it out pretty clearly. He gives us the punchline right away. Uh, Then in verse 45, uh, the last variation of this metaphor, which is this idea that there's an undeniable correlation between what we say and do and what is actually inside of our hearts, right? And this is a hard yet simple truth that we can't miss, that what a Christian says and does is a pretty solid indicator of who he or she is actually is now to be clear it's not an indicator of that person's positional righteousness in christ but it is an indicator of their real character okay so that's the that's the breakdown of the passage so what does the holy spirit have for us today i'd like to share with you what he has and had for me and maybe for you too Okay? So I, I've, I've shared this before. Um, I promise I'm not giving the same message, but just it's, it's so true, especially in light of today's passage. Good things in, good things out. Bad things in, bad things out. Love in, love out. Grace in, grace out. Sin in, sin out. Angry things in, angry things out. You get the idea, right? This passage in so many ways, it's about uh, the work of, and the things we can do as Christians to contribute to our own spiritual growth. But do not forget who plants the seed, right? Do not forget what that seed is. The seed is your faith in Jesus. The seed is your salvation. And how much your tree grows, how much fruit shows up on that tree, in many, many ways, that's up to you, right? And then, of course, Jesus He speaks about this a lot. He spoke about it in the parable of the sower, which uh, some of you may remember this concept of Christians and their productivity levels within the kingdom, within his kingdom. Now, some really, really smart people that I have a tremendous amount of respect for, they believe that parable is about uh, saved people and unsaved people, the parable of the sower. And then some other really smart Christians who have a, a ton of respect for I believe the, the parable of the sower is about productive Christians and unproductive Christians. Personally, that's the camp I land in. But people land all over. And, and I know that's not our passage for today, but it, it's really important. Wherever you fall on the interpretation of the, the sower, you cannot miss that 75% of those plants of that seed at some point in the story, it stops growing. It stops producing. Now, does being unproductive get you kicked out of the kingdom of heaven? No, of course not. No, of course not. But it absolutely makes you dead weight in the kingdom. My word's not Jesus'. Being unproductive, it doesn't make you unsaved but it absolutely proves that you don't understand the significance of your salvation. Being unproductive doesn't take your declared righteousness away, as we talked about, right? But it absolutely is an indicator of your pride and your ingratitude and your full heartiness. And so let's, uh, let's go back to this idea of real versus fake fruit, right? Sometimes we Christians Myself included. Sometimes we can get so obsessed with whether someone else's fruit is real or fake, can't we? Again, let me point out to you the passage immediately preceding this one. Don't worry about the stick in your own or the the speck of dust in your neighbor's eye when you've got a stick, a log, a plank in your own. That came right before he said this stuff. Now, uh... I love my job here at Mosaic. I really, truly do. Um, it's a privilege. It's an honor. Um, and so my new role is lead pastor of staff and operations, and as you know, we're trying to hire a lead pastor of teaching and discipleship. But in my role, I get a lot of feedback from you guys. And, and so much of it truly is valid. It's legitimate. The concerns are real, the whatever. It's legitimate. Some of it is nonsense and completely misguided. And some of it is uh, well-intended, but just a little misunderstood. But you know, the number one uh, complaint, or should I call it feedback, that's the the church word for it, is it's not about our worship style. It's not about our lighting. It's not about the fog. It's not about the orange paint in the lobby that is everywhere. Uh, It's not about uh, the coffee's too Bitter or too cold or hot or whatever. It's not any of those things. Sometimes it's those things, but it's not any of those things. The number one, I'm not making this up, far and away. Number one thing I hear is concern and complaint about other Christians in our church not pulling their weight. And here's the problem is uh, those people, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Uh, but it's not helpful. It's never changed anything. That concern, that that frustration, it never changes anything. People don't start doing more. So can I encourage you? Just do not let yourself be concerned about the productivity levels of other Christians. Don't burden yourself with that of what other believers in our church or any church are doing or not doing, because you can't always tell. And that isn't your problem to solve. What you ought to be thinking about, what I need to be thinking about is my output levels, my own heart. And I can relate more than you know to this justified frustration. Just the other week, just the other week, I was interacting with an acquaintance, honest to goodness, not someone from Mosaic interacting with a more than a colleague or a, you know, a, a colleague, yeah, more than anything. And I see him probably once a year, sometimes less, and everything out of this guy's mouth is just tainted with sexual overtone and perversion. Everything in his mouth is innuendo of some kind. He goes right up to the line. Sometimes he steps right across it, And he can't even see it at this point. But you know what that is? That's nothing more than just the overflow of his heart, the overflow of things that are, that are deep inside that he has been trying to mask for years. And this is a Christian, absolutely. This is a saved person, I'm sure of it. Going to heaven when he dies, absolutely. But whatever good things this guy's taking in, prayer, scripture, whatever it is, it's not enough. It's not enough to... To outweigh the trash that he has been heaping into his heart for years in bulk. And I don't need to need, need to know the details of the trash. I, I don't. The overflow of the heart says it all. You can't hide it forever. It eventually bubbles over every time. And then you lose control of the perceptions, you you lose control of the narrative. And as gross as this is, it's kinda like it's kind of like sewage that you're trying to cup in your hand and, you, and it just starts leaking out through your fingers. That gets really unbecoming really fast, doesn't it? And here's the temptation for me, what I want to share with you. The temptation for me when I'm interacting with those types of Christians, it's to expose the fake. It's to unveil the wolf that is pretending to be a sheep. Right? But that kind of heart posture for me, it only leads me to misgiving. It only leads me to cynicism and allegation. Nothing that's helpful for my heart. And, it, and I don't think that's what Jesus wants for me, to be measuring and to be weighing the value and the contribution of other Christians. I don't think that's what he has for me. And just like this... This game we just played, it isn't our job to determine if, if someone else's fruit is real or fake. And I will give you this, while inauthentic Christians pretending to be authentic Christians, that is a real danger for the church, even still, I think Jesus is telling us to let them be their own undoing, to let the fruit of their life be the thing that exposes them, not you, not me. Judgment belongs to the Father in heaven. We read that in scripture. He knows the hearts of people way better than we could ever pretend to. He knows the hearts of people long before any fruit does or doesn't show up on their tree. No, instead, concern yourself with what kind of fruit your Christian tree is producing. And make sure you're not self-deceived in the process. As so many of us Christians myself included, can sometimes be. For me, as I take in this portion of scripture, uh, the message is pretty simple. And, and pretty profound, I think. Jesus is not calling me to expose the wolf as much as I may want to. He's, he's calling me to live a life of obedience that just bears fruit naturally. And then, as you're bearing fruit, you've got to ask yourself, what is the source? What is the the motive or the purpose behind my Christian fruit? Some kind of religious duty, perhaps. Some kind of well-intended but misguided understanding of how salvation is obtained or how it's maintained or, or how it's proven. God in heaven, the only proof he requires is the work done on the cross. So what requirements might you be trying to add? You know, the best fruit, though, the the sweetest tasting fruit is the fruit that grows from a, a heart of gratitude, a heart of understanding, which leads to what is called joys salvation, which leads to fruit growing organically. And that might be the the sweetest tasting fruit, but there's other legitimate sources of authentic fruit too. For example, sometimes, maybe not the sweetest, but the best, most productive fruit is that which grows from the dirt of despair the dirt of grief and loss, the dirt of rejection. Sometimes the best fruit, forgive the vulgarity, is is the fruit that grows from the manure that has been flung at you in this life. And when you let God till those things, till the dirt, till the manure, that life is relentlessly piling up on top of you. when you let God till that, well, that's, where, uh, that's where hope can sprout, right? That's where salvation's joy can sometimes begin to blossom. Where fruit, it cannot help but grow because of the good work done on the cross and, and the good things of God. A fruitful life as a Christian is not an obligation or a duty. And if it feels like it is, Well then you misunderstand why Jesus tries to lead us to fruitful living over and over again in the scripture. A fruitful life, it's a privilege, it's a blessing, it's an overflow of the good things that Jesus has placed into your heart. A fruitful life is the only natural and logical response to salvation's significance taking root in your mind. Now, does that mean the temptation of sin never creeps back in or never wins? No, we know it does. We know it does. But what it does mean is when it does, the good things stored up in your heart quickly overpower and overwhelm that trickle of sin and trickle of bad in your heart, right? It means the sin that lingers in this life for the rest of our life is being washed daily, hourly, moment by moment by the the unending cleansing power of Christ. It means the stuff that is in our control, like what we uh, ingest into our hearts and into our minds is of the best quality, not the trash that our culture is relentlessly trying to put down our throats, right? And do not confuse moderating your intake of those kinds of kinds of things in your heart, mind. Do not confuse that with legalism. That's not legalism. That's prudence and that's wisdom. And I've said this at nauseam, so I'm sorry, but it's so fundamentally true. Good things in, good things out. Bad things in, bad things out every of the time. Now, if your tank is full of trash, though, if your heart is full of darkness and sin and hate... bitterness, and unforgiveness, my guess is it's, it's more than you can handle. It's more than you could ever empty on your own, and that is when you need to let Jesus do what Jesus does best, right? Empty the trash, power wash the inside of the can, right? And then refill it with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When your heart... When it contains love and when it contains joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, when your heart contains those things, well, good stuff cannot help but flow out of a heart that is full of that, right? Right? Love in, love out, joy in, joy out, peace in, peace out, right? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, in, all those things out every time. But you've got to let Jesus do the two-part work. The two-part work of restoring the heart. Empty the can of the sin, of the darkness, and then let him refill it with the things of the Holy Spirit. The things you read about in Galatians 5. Read it for yourself. You might be saying, okay, Kirk, yeah, you don't know my life, actually. Uh, I'm in too deep. The affair, it has gone on too long. The lies I have told, they're holding too many things together at this point. And the addiction, the addiction is way too strong. The anger, the unforgiveness, the rage, it's actually justified from the abuse. I'm telling you, if you can believe me and trust me because I have nothing to gain by lying to you, I really, there is a freedom you've only ever heard about. On the other side of that, I promise there is. There's a grace far more good than you have ever believed is possible. The cross. The cross is so much more powerful than we Christians will sometimes allow it to be. <laughs> let the cross save you. Let the cross save you, but let it also cleanse you. Let it redeem your eternity, absolutely. But let it redeem your, your today. And the rest of your days here. And do not for a moment cheapen that by thinking this is about behavior modification. It is about heart modification. It, better behavior only ever means anything when it, it's a byproduct of a heart and of a mind turned towards Jesus. When your heart, when your mind make that shift, it's called metanoia. That's the Greek word for repentance. And it only has ever used referring to a change of heart and a change of mind, not a change of action. That's a byproduct. Behavior modification is part of some kind of religious strategy or some kind of salvation process. That's nothing. That's not anything. Not according to the scripture. It's just not. Salvation isn't a process. It's not. Bearing fruit is, absolutely, but salvation isn't. Don't confuse the two. You have to remember this passage is designed to convict the heart of the saved person, which is a lot of us in this room, not the unsaved. We are, and, and being saved by grace and grace alone, it is not opposed to this idea of effort and of trying in the Christian life, it's just not. It's simply opposed to earning or repaying. That's all it's opposed to. Just like the great Dallas Willard once said, Ben quoted him last week. Uh, ben also said something really profound last week. and I wrote it down because I thought it was really good. He said, Ben said, life transformation requires a joint effort between you and God. Friends, you gotta remember, this is a message that Jesus gave to to followers, to disciples. He gave it to save people who were not grasping the magnitude of their salvation. you want to deposit something good into your heart, then dwell on the good things of Jesus. Dwell on... Your salvation and what all actually went into that. Dwell on how little you actually contribute to that. Unpack that, and gratitude and understanding can't help but rush in, followed by fruit. Let me close with recapping this three things. Take away from all this your productivity levels as a Christian. They have no bearing on your salvation. That's called grace. Next, your productivity levels as a Christian absolutely have a bearing on your contribution to the kingdom of Christ. Three, your productivity levels as a Christian absolutely can be faked, but not forever, never forever. Eventually, you and I both, we will be discovered The fake will be revealed. And so your job isn't to expose anyone else. It's to ask the Holy Spirit to expose the fake in your own heart. That's your job. Expose the fake in your own heart and then ask him to help you solve it and resolve it so that your fruit, is more sweet, it's more real, it's more authentic, it's more productive and our call to move the kingdom of Jesus forward. And finally, rubber meets the road here. Good things in, good things out. God things in, God things out. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in, the fruit of the Holy Spirit out. You ingest love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I promise you, it's a, it's a dad guarantee as my kids like to, to call it when I promise them something. I promise you, you ingest those types of things and the good things of God cannot help but show up on your tree. Thanks for listening to this week's message. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We invite you to connect with us. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at welcometomosaic.com give. Have a great week.